I'm about to become a dad. What do I do? My kids are in high school and I feel so disconnected. Does anyone else feel depressed in their first year of fatherhood? How can I manage my time better so I spend more time with my kids? My wife and I don't see eye to eye on parenting. How do we find the time to reconnect? How do I step up as a dad? Where can I find answers to the questions I have? Welcome to the arena. Hey guys, how's it going? Great, how you doing there? I'm alright, I'm trying to like just put up my cardigans and Anthony doesn't make you, fun of it anymore. You chilly man? You gotta zip up that cardigan? Mr. Rogers. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, now you're all now you're cozy. Doesn't matter. No one, no one watches the videos on YouTube anyway. You're all cozy. <laughs> uh, things are cool, man. I had an awesome chat, uh, awesome conversation with Brandon Lilly that I released on yesterday, actually, and it was really yesterday. cool. Getting some amazing feedback from that one, actually. Seems that it touched a lot of a lot of guys' lives and that they really thought it was amazing. So I'm really stoked that I get to speak to guys like him and I just want to give a shout out to guys like him and Bert and some of the other guys that come on the show and just make time for a little podcast that nobody really knows about although more people are getting to know about it but I really appreciate these guys so thanks for that Anthony how, how's things with you man good good I'm plugging you know a lot on my plate but it's good gonna bang this out and then I'm gonna go teach some classes and uh dealing with this market going crazy but you know it is what it is right but how are you feeling? You're feeling a little bit more um, relaxed in a way? I know it's full on still, but not as burnt out as you were a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't think so. I think I'm still there. I'm just handling it better. Cool, man. Alan, any news or are you just... Uh, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Big news for you. Or what? Yeah, big news. We moved our company into a new facility. Uh, this morning was the first day we actually were up and shipping product out and that all went smoothly. We got... We're over the big hurdles now. Now I'm just polishing up stuff, dealing with the unknowns, uh, and uh, quite happy to to be done with that. And you know, now now it's like labeling shelves and organizing. Yeah, cool, man. And you wanted to talk about something you posted on Facebook, I see, which uh, yeah. was quite interesting. I thought it was really interesting and a really cool way to kick the show off today is to maybe have a chat about that. Yeah, you know, I made a post on Facebook that. Uh, was a lot from my own mental health. And then, um, boy, it touched a lot of people. And I put a lot of posts out, uh, you know, a lot of uh, entrepreneur motivational stuff. Um, but this one really touched a lot of people. So, uh, you know, if you're on, I believe I put it on the Dad Syndicate Facebook also. I spread it around. But I'm going to read it out. Um, and, and I want to discuss it with you guys, but not from the context of my issues. But because I had so many people that apparently this resonated deeply with that I think we have a lot of listeners that, that may benefit from us talking about this subject. Yeah, uh, so Before you read, Alan, I just wanted to say why it touched me and why I thought about it so much is that this is something that I've been hearing a little bit from other people or a little bit from influencers, and I kind of disagreed with this. But then when I read your post, it kind of got me to see things from a little bit of a different perspective. You know what I mean? Like made me think, oh, well, maybe there are situations where this could be necessary. So that was just interesting for me and why I thought it's really important for us to speak about this because it was something that made me really go like, wow. And, and I don't think, wow, that often, hey, I really need to think about this. So go ahead. Cool. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, we've all heard that you're the sum total of the five people you associate most with. And so we strive to associate with the people who build us up. 
But what happens when one of the people pulling you down is a parent, when truly nothing you do is ever good enough for your parents or even recognized by them? You can do one of two things. Uh, go on letting them pull you down or remove the toxicity from your life. Those are your options. Of course, what you want to do is change your parents' thinking so you can have that great relationship we all wish for. Help them see what you've done for them and yourself. It's a noble thought, but you know inside it's not just not likely to happen. Because the best way for anyone to see who you are is to show the best version of you at all times. If you've been doing that and netting no results, then game over and it hurts. I have one of those. I have a parent from a, and a brother who I have had to distance from my life because they are nothing but toxic negative, negativity towards me. This has become more public as my mother is closing our family's business and has left my name out of all the interviews, despite being a crucial part of the survival of the store for the last 15 years. And when approached, there is nothing but selfishness and lack of remorse. And I'm human. It hurts to have all my, to put all my, to put my all into something to benefit her for so long and be pushed aside in the end. So what do you do when one or both of your parents is that factor that is holding you back in life? Maybe discouraging you from doing what you want. Maybe being a financial drain on you. Maybe a voice inside your head that keeps you up at night. You have to minimize them in your life. You didn't have your parents. Your parents had you. That was for you, Anthony. And if they, they're not doing it, you're under no obligation after you're 18 to stick around. Now we all have this human attachment to our parents, which makes it difficult. So if, then, so if so, then just keep them at a distance so that should circumstances ever change, you should have the option. If that isn't working, then make the distance even further. It doesn't make you a bad guy. In fact, probably the only reason you have is no one told you it's, the only reason you haven't distanced them is no one's told you it's okay. Well, it's okay. In fact, it's empowering to leave a bad relationship. So I think that uh, it goes on a little bit longer, but I think that kind of mostly addresses it. Uh, the issue that, you know, a lot of people have with their parents that, you know, we talk about being a good parent to your kids, but we're also kids to our parents. And what do you do when your parent isn't a good role model, a good example, and is being toxic in your life? You know, are you obligated to continue on with them and keep that relationship going. Uh, so, you know, I think it's really worthy of discussing. Uh, it's not touched upon enough, I think. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think that, uh, you know, I hear these stories all the time. And, um, you know, I never understood why the bloodline um, can hurt so deep. You know, if somebody, if, if another adult the same age as your parents did the same exact thing to you, you it, wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt you as much as your own parents. And it's just this, this, this I don't know what this connection is or what this, why we, we feel the way we feel. Like we want that acceptance. We want that love. We want all that. And sometimes it's just not there. And, you know, we have to make choices. And, you know, I remember when I was younger, um, and it doesn't even matter why I remember, um, I just made that decision, a very conscious decision that I'm like, I'm done. 
you know, I do not want to be around my parents. I do not like this behavior. I do not like the way it makes me feel. And, you know, I was in like a rage mode and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with this. And then as I started to get older, um, you know, and, and I'm speaking to other people and other people that were definitely a little bit more level headed than I was, you know, people started to make me realize like, I can't change them. Right. I can only change me. And I did, I did feel a void in my heart and I did feel a void in my life because of my kids were missing out on great grandparents and, and all this. And, um, and it did take some balls where I'm just like, Hey, it was like, you know, years later, where I hadn't spoke to them or seen them. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting on a plane. I'm going down there and I'm going to see them. And yes, it takes balls. And yes, it takes courage. And yes, you have to figure out how you're going to break that ice when you walk in the door and everybody's going to tell you, I can't do it because they're just going to do this and they're going to do that. But you know what? I remember walking in that door and seeing them and they were just as nervous as I was. And, and I'm sure they wanted the connection with me just as bad as I wanted that connection back with them. And, and but the answer always comes back to me from that person. They keep saying the same shit. It's like, no, you don't understand my parents. <laughs> don't worry. I was there too right? So you, you either make a conscious decision that you're going to step away, regroup, or you're going to figure out how you're going to, you know, Alan, I think, you know, you and I spoke a little bit about this, right? You know, with, with, um, with what your, your situation, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I go, dude, you know, figure out how you're going to segue back in. And you were like kind of definitive, like, no, it did. And so I kind of eased off because that's our first talk. And then I'll ease in on, I'll, I'll layer on to you later about how we're going to make this, this work. Um, but you know, whoever that question was, they said, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang out most with. You know, I don't really think that that line really fits into what, what we're talking about here. If it doesn't roll as well, the same with family. No, no, you're in a different category. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it, it doesn't work. You know, I mean, you know, if you, if, you know, I always tell my kids, you know, in these school, you know, in my school and in my life, you know, you, you, you will be the average of the five people you hang out most with. But like, if I'm going to hang with those group of people, it's not a question of, you know, okay, I want to be better in my life and I want to be more positive in my life. So I'm going to go find positive people. So if I'm going to go find, you know, find those five positive people, you know, I have to do more than just hang with them. Right. I have to, I have to be very cognizant of, you know, watching them, mimicking them. What are they doing? Why are they happy? What are all these things? And, you know, and then implement, right. I'm going to implement, but like in this situation, um, Tom, I'm sure you've got some good insight into this. This is a tough situation because it's the scars of the heart and those scars of the heart, they just don't go away. You know, they're tough and you're going to have to, you got to deal with them. Um, but I know for myself, it took a lot of it took a lot of balls to get on that plane and walk in that door, and um, I, I'll never forget the look on my parents' face because I, like I said, they were nervous, and I was like, "All right, why don't we all just have a cocktail first, <laughs> right? We're all just going to have," and it just kind of cut the, just cut the ice. We kind of laughed a little bit, and then I realized, like, "Wow, they're really special people," and it it really worked out well. Um, you know, but there's a, thousands of other stories that are 10 times, you know, mine just so happened to be a good success story, but you have to make the change because they're not, they're, they're not capable of making the change. That's, that's the way I feel about it. Right. You know, it, 
was talking to my wife. She's got an ironclad family that, you know, we all wish we would have. And, uh, you know, her big concern for me is, you know, make sure you have no regrets. You know, my mom's going to be 80 real soon. And, you know, you don't want to have that regret. But there becomes, and and again, just for everybody else, there becomes a point where, look, if my mom were to pass next week, would I regret that we didn't have that tight relationship? Sure. But the, the reality is I've tried. I've done all that I know how to do. But yeah. You don't regret it as if, oh, I should have tried harder. You regret that you just could not have what you wanted to have. You couldn't make that a reality, but it doesn't mean it's your fault. And that's two very different things uh, that, you know, you have to recognize uh, because for some people, a lot of people, you will come down to the, you know, never be able to reconcile. Um, Look, there's people whose parents are in jail for really bad crimes and you're not ever going to have a chance to have that. And, yeah, you, know, you can. You know, Alan, it's it's interesting. Someone once told me, um, you know, lower your expectation of others, and you'll never get hurt. Yes, and and you know, what? And some of these lines, when I when I make a quote like something like that, I'm telling you the quote for a reason because it made me stop, and it made me think. And I said, well, wait a minute, I don't want to lower, I'm not lowering expectations for myself. So why am I, why am I going to lower expectations for others? And then I started realizing like, hey, I'm resonating on a certain level that they're just probably not going to be able to resonate on. And so every time I get upset because they did something, said something or whatever the case may be, when I started to understand resetting those expectations, I, I was, uh, things were worked out a lot better for me. I understood things a little bit better. I accepted it better. You know, I'm, I'm and, but don't get me wrong. I'm not going to accept poor behavior, but I'm going to lower my expectation of, of the situation. Um, like, you know, your situation, like with your mom, I know you've tried really hard and um, she's kind of really almost to the point of being belligerent. But at what, at some point, I think, you know, you're going to have to find out, you know, what is it going to take? You know, I, I knew I made that conscious decision that I'm like, God, if my father ever passed away and I, and I am not re, you know, reconnected with him. Um, and it took me to leave my ego at the door. It took me, it took me to just drop my ego and just put all my anger in a box over in that corner and just say, leave the, 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 the anger in the box in New Jersey and fly to Florida. Right. You know, I think, I think one of the things you got to watch for the difference of is, you know, is this a difference of, look, they're different people from you and they live different lifestyles and you don't adjust well. And then, yeah, that's a leave your ego, recognize you guys are different, but they're still your parents, love them, respect them and respect that they're different. Um, in my particular instance, um, the problem is they tax my life. They, you know, for some people, it can be that their parents become a financial drain on them uh, or, you know, or just, you know, being negative at them, where no matter how much you put your stuff aside, you're still either getting attacked or, you know, being used. Uh, so, so there's your difference where you can live and let live versus, 
you know, decide you may need to put that distance between you guys. Disconnect. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm dealing with a friend right now where, you know, mother is, is an alcoholic and, um, you know, she just got arrested and thrown in jail and now everything's thrown on the daughter. And so, you know, you see this whole ripple, ripple down effect about how many people are affected by the one mother and her decision and her, her, you know, alcoholism and all this. And it's, you know, these are questions that we're never going to have an answer for, right? We can, we can help guide each other through it. And sometimes we can help guide each other through, you know, trying to just say, Hey, we're going to be here for you or who, who in your life, like your wife, Alan, um, you know, who in your life can be with you to help get you through this situation? Because sometimes there ain't going to be an answer. You know, it's just like the situation of the, the sibling, are, are calling her saying, hey, you've got to get mom out of jail and you've got to fly over here and you've got to sit with her. It's like, whoa, I'm tired of mom. I'm tired of all the crap that goes along with mom. And so what happens? Then the significant other has to step up and be the sounding board. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's that. I mean, Jesus Christ, how many, how many therapists are in business just because of parents? Yeah, exactly. I think, I think Tom's going to need one. He's been kind of quiet here. I don't know if he's having childhood flashbacks or mind blown. Yeah, I think he's, I think he zipped up his frigging cardigan too high. You think he's all joked up over there. I'm just listening to you. Sad sex. I mean, no, I'm joking. Um, I'm uh, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting to listen to you guys. And I just been thinking about it because it, it's, it's something you don't have the answer to. And I'm very wary of giving answers to these things because I've been seeing people saying definitive stuff, guys that have influence saying definitive stuff to people that I find, is the wrong advice. And when it's too strong, you've got to be wary of it. When someone says, if your family, because people have been saying, if your family don't help you level up, you should, you should do away with your friends and family. And I'm like, seriously? That's so, so stupid. That's, and, I mean, and there's no definitive. Come on. There's no definitive here. No, and then, and, then, and then when you look at Alan's situation, I did stop and think and think like, wow, you know, if someone's taxing you financially, if someone's being belligerent, as you said, if someone's really being toxic in your life, then, then, then it's a whole new ball game, you know. Then it's a new thing because it's not just someone not helping you step up; it's someone dragging you down. But right. what I'm thinking the whole time is there's a continuum of how how toxic they are because we all are on a different. Everyone listening to this has a different continuum where your mother, your father is on that continuum to how toxic they be. And then there's another continuum of how much you can distance yourself from them, you know, from completely cutting them out your life to being in the house every day. There's a lot of gray area between there that then you can then go okay. They're on a level eight toxicity. So I can see them once a month and keep that because I think that no matter how terrible our family is, I think cutting them completely out of our life is just not an option because for them to be douchebags and them not to really respect us and stuff, um, it's their choice. They're choosing that and they are choosing to be out of our life for the most of it. But I at least want to be the one that gives them a chance every now and then. Like I would want but you know, but you hear time and time again, let's just say sister, you know, your sister cuts you out of your life and you don't have the answer. Like why? You call, you, you, you text, you write, you email, you ask your other siblings and, and then you go into the spiral. Like what happened? Why? Why? And you see the scars of the heart again. It gets back to you, know, you, you don't have an answer. And you know, we can sit here and we can pontificate all day, but there isn't anything definitive. I mean, I think that's a bullshit answer. If someone tells me it's definitive. You got to cut them out of your life. It's like, yeah, that ain't that easy, dude. Like, you know, uh, 
you he's smiling, but I, I believe that, you know? I'm smiling because it's just so funny for me that there's people that actually agree with these people and, and go, yeah, this is a great idea. And I, I, I think it's not. And I think it's a very, it's a serious thing when it's blood. And I think that yeah. we also have to understand, and this is why we have a show like this. This is why the world is changing because we want to raise good fathers and good mothers. And we don't want to be the people that our children are trying to cut out of our, their lives. I've had girlfriends with dads that were total assholes who just made their daughter's life hell. And I just and I went, why would you do that? And, and when we look at your parents, Alan, and we look at any of Anthony's parents, and you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that my parents didn't do so well, but my dad's a very humble kind of guy, and he really apologized to me for all the mistakes that he made when we were younger, and we've reconciled. He's actually an awesome guy, so I'm, I'm lucky. My mom's loved me like crazy, so she's a bit of a, a drama queen and has been financially at times a little bit you know, of a drain, but, but I'm, I'm cool. I'm glad you said that, um, Tom, like about your dad, because I, that happened to me once, like, you know, we're, I'm out on the golf course just with my dad. And I was like, it was uncomfortable <laughs> and for him to kind of give them me a Copa about, Hey, I know it was tough, you know, growing up, it, you know, the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, I was shocked that that, I could actually get an apology or a sense of, Hey, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, I think it's good. I'm glad to hear that happened for you and it happened for me. And, um, I think that's, that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. I really am. You know, one of the things to, uh, you know, that that points out, you should try your best never to permanently cut somebody out. You know, my mother, I've cut out of my life in the past. Um, but I always leave the door open, you know, and even now, the, you know, she knows the door is open. You want to address the issues, then let's, you know, when, I don't care if it's next week or five years from now, I'm open to listen and change. And that's the one grant you usually give family that you wouldn't necessarily give to friends, you know, friends much, you, you know, you're, you're under less obligation to. So with your, well, your situation is kind of tough because I'm like, you were breaking your ass there and you gave it all and she really wasn't around and you're trying to keep it going for her and her to maintain that, you know, I mean, I, I feel for you, man. I mean, and I don't have an answer for that. No. Um, I mean, I respect the hell out of you for doing everything you, you did and could and, um, you know, hey, that's the, the good son, right? But at some point, come on, mom, you know you got to give a little back. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll still continue to leave that door open. You know, sometimes you need time to, to let scars heal and, you know, you know, give some, some blow over time. Um, but you know, to block, I think her, one of her brothers blocked her out of her life for like 50 years. And, you know, I, I would never, I, I don't like to use never even in that term, but, you know, I like to not predict what my future will be and keep all doors open going forward. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny that last night, did you guys watch Homeland? No. I've watched it before. Yeah. Well, man, last night, this episode, it was, uh, this uh, leader, um, he was a, actually he was the head of the Taliban <laughs> and, uh, his son, was uh, trying to do a coup, try to kill him. And his father found out about it and his father like dragged him in and, you know, the father was going to shoot him and he let him go. And he, you know, it's probably not going to turn out to be the, uh, the good, you know, the right thing in the end. But I was so impacted by that scene because they were face to face and the father just wanted to know the truth. 
And I remember, and last night I went up to my son's room and I'm like, and just out of the blue, you know, I just sat there and I just needed him to know like, hey, if anything ever goes awry, you know, we need to talk. We need to stay together. I says, because I'm your dad for life and I'm here for life. Um, and like, I, I was really impacted by that damn scene. And I just felt the need. Um, and he was awesome too with it, you know? And, you know, and he didn't blow me off. Didn't give me like a, okay, dad, you know, pat me on the shoulder, <laughs> wipe your tears. But um, I think we as dads, I think there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, reconnecting with our kids and, and reinforcing to them that we're here you know, we're, that we're here. Uh, and that, that's, that's uh, I think, very, very important. And I think, Alan, you, or Tom, you said it best. We have to start young, right? We can't wait until they're 18, 19, 20. By then, they've already, they're already moving on, right? Yeah. I think we just have to keep in mind, you know, that our parents obviously had bad parents. I mean, let's just face it. If they're behaving in that way and they're treating their family like that, they haven't been taught properly by their parents. And that's why... It's just a reminder for us, Alan, I think bringing up the question is, yes, you can help guys to deal with it. And I agree, keeping the door open, it's also their choice. And you can do, you know, say, hey, listen, if you're going to be in my life, these are the, the boundaries. You can't set boundaries and stuff. But I think it's just a reminder of us to make nurture our relationship, like Anthony says, with our kids and to make sure that we don't have that one day, that we are considerate of our children and we are positive. I mean, it's funny. It's, it's, it's so, so strange for me that a parent would be satisfied with that, you know, like to actually live being a negative influence in their children's lives. When I see myself being like that, I just think like, whoa, Tom, hang on, you've got to change this. And I think it's up to them to change as well. And I think all we can do is wait and hope and, and be stoic, Alan, your favorite, you know, just yeah. read a bit of stoicism, yeah. keep yourself in check. As far as you can, don't cut family out for, for good. I think cutting out for a period of time, depending on the situation, is great. But um, yeah. we can move on to our next question. Tim Ward. It's quite a good one. How do you balance taking care of yourself emotionally and helping others? So he was talking, one of his coworkers is all over the place when it comes to emotions and it affects his driver motivation a little bit. When she asked his opinion and he gave it to her, honestly, she seemed really shocked. But I think the core of the question is helping others while trying to help yourself, you know? Yeah. I kind of gathered two different questions out of that. You know, one was, his coworkers' feelings were affecting his, and the other is, how do you how do you help Process. somebody? Yeah. yeah, I mean, looking at the first part of the question of, uh, you know, how do you help others and and take care of yourself? Well, you you know, it's like the airplane mask dropped down, and you put yours on first. It's no different with your well being. You have to take care of your own mental health first, so you're in the right shape to help somebody else, and. And that means allotting time for yourself and prioritizing it as a non-negotiable, uh, you know, making those habits uh, each day that, uh, you know, put you in that right mental place to take on whatever comes on. And that includes helping others. Yeah. I think with helping others, you've got to be, you've got to be in the position to help others most of the time. But I think when it comes to fathering, and this is a dad show, so I know this applies to colleagues and stuff as well, but as a father, Sometimes you can't really rely on taking care of yourself to help others. You know, you just could be helping others and be there for others and make sure that you are on form for them, even when you are not on form. So, but then I, I do agree. You have to make sure you're taking care of, care of yourself. And I mean, that's what we try to focus on here is taking care of yourself as a man, physically, emotionally, spiritually, so that you can be there for other 
people. Um, it's tough sometimes. I mean, like for myself, I lack sleep quite often, but sometimes that lack of sleep needs to happen to actually step up for other people and, and take care of things, unfortunately. And uh, we've talked about this before, you know, it's just basically just deciding to help people sometimes, even if you are exhausted and even if the tank's empty, is to be able to actually step over yourself and, and do that without looking after yourself sometimes. Because as a dad of a one-year-old, trust me, it's not about all about me taking care of myself. Um, when it comes to our colleagues and stuff, I think it's good to help people. But at the same time, sometimes I've started, well, I've started to realize lately that we often take on a lot of responsibility for other people. It is not our responsibility. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's only so many people that you should help and there's only so many people you can give energy to because the more you help other people and as a dad, the more energy I put into coworkers and helping them, the less energy and time I have for my own kids. And I think that, you know, it's, it's nice to be there for coworkers if they really are coming to speak to us about something. But generally, I would, I would say you'd be a sounding board and stuff. but. Uh, I wouldn't put too much energy into that, especially if it's starting to drain, drain you. It's, just, it's almost similar to the previous question about people that start to drain you and, uh, you know, not, not giving too much of your time and too much of yourself to those people there, you know, but, um, I think, I think you got to do both. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not an either or right. Alan, it's kind of a both. You take care of yourself and then you are helping other people. Yeah, and, and there is a balance. You know, um, I'm in a, a club that uh, is going to a town council meeting tonight. Uh, they're having some troubles with the town, and, and they were really looking for me to uh, help them, you know, speak at the meeting and uh, and guide them through it. And and I've got so much else going on in life, you do have to balance that stuff. And, you know, I had to back off of this one, not because I can't help, but because I have to take care of myself first, and, you know, I, I need a little time. Uh, and, and you have to, you have to get those balances and prioritize because, you know, something like that comes after kids, wife, family, yeah. work, you know, everything else. So, you know, balance always. Yeah. I think, yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm listening. I'm listening. Cause uh, you know, when, you know, I think when you look at your life and you say, you know, what, what's, what, what's my great impact, you know, what's my great impact and what am I good at? And, and you, you know, it's really to serve and to help others, right? That's kind of how I, where, where my life has been set up. You know, I'm a teacher, um, I help people in a, uh, with their finances and, and that's an advisory role. And, you know, so, but it all comes down to, you know, your money, your time and your energy, which, which equals your big impact. And if I want to have my big, big impact, you know, I have to be really careful about, you know, the money, the time I'm putting into it and then the energy I'm putting into. And I remember years ago, you know, I could put all the, the amount of energy into, this one particular person because I want more for them. I want them to be more rise. And then I realized like, wow, I'm trying to pull them up to my level. They're not capable of being at that level. And maybe I get them almost there and I'm working so hard to keep them there that it's draining me of all my resources and all of my energy. And I think as I'm getting older, um, I have to be much more protective of my time and my energy. You have to protect it because um, if you allow that many people, it's just like, they're like, you know, vampires, right? They're just sucking the life out of you. And you think, oh, I'm helping, I'm helping, I'm helping. And then I started realizing like, you know, 
it's interesting. Here's this person who's going through all kinds of bullshit for months and months and months. And I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, and I'm getting drained. I'm getting drained. I'm getting drained. I'm getting drained. And at the end of the day, they're going home and they're even, they're, they don't even remember that I was there trying to help them. And so you really got to, you've got to really protect you and you've really got to put that shell around you and really decide who are you going to give that energy to? I mean, hey, it'd be wonderful for us to help everybody, but it's just not possible. It just isn't. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I was thinking about is that it's definitely the way that you do help people because I was just thinking about it a little bit because he's asked, obviously, how do you balance that? I think that when it's not your family and not your blood, then you first take care of yourself and make sure that you're in the position to actually be there to assist other people. But I think that the balance issue... I heard the other day that balance is not really possible. It's very hard to balance things perfectly. You know, I think sometimes yeah. it's very easy to get sucked in one way or the other. And I, I agree. It's also about trying to help other people. And obviously the podcast and stuff, I've not made a sense. It's all about just trying to help other dads to step up and be the best. But at times I've got to say to myself, hey, like Tom, we have to start detracting from other things in your life. You know, And when it's a, when it's a female colleague, especially in my life, then that's not where my time is best, best spent. No. Colleague's advice. And... Just to, to get on to the second part of the question, he said he gave her advice and an honest opinion and she was quite shocked. That's because what we start to realize is that women don't really want our opinion and they don't really want our advice. They just want they to, want to listen. Well, listen. And then when you actually tell them, I realize this, when you actually tell them the truth, they don't really like that truth very much. So it can actually be negative to think, we think we're helping people. We think we're like these tugboats. You know this analogy, Alan, where we tugboats. We all tugboat people out of the thing. The best thing is to be a lighthouse, as we've heard before, which is to be a light that shows people that direction, shows people how to live, shows people the right way. Instead of always trying to pull people out, you lead them out. And I think that's where the energy is best spent, and that's how you can really step yourself out. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many answers, to this, right, Alan? Get up early in the morning, do some yoga, meditation, eat healthy, get enough sleep, and then you'll be able to help other people. If you're helping other people is like dragging you down and not allowing you to do those things, and obviously that doesn't make any sense. And especially if you're family, family comes first. And family comes first. But you know, I tell you what, here's a here's a great little um, thing that one of my mentors taught me, and it was awesome. And I remember speaking to him, and I said to him, um, I was like, Jesus Christ! I talk to this person, and they always, you know, they get my ear, and I can't, you know, and then I, and then I get stuck, right? And I got shit to do, you know. I'm a busy guy, and I remember what he he did. I, we were in a conference once, and somebody was talking to him. And I remember he gave the guy a, a, a pat on the shoulder, and he said, "Hey, Bob, because really nice talking to you." He goes, "Got to run. I'll circle back with you. I'll circle right back with you." And got to go. And he left. And he just went on to the next conversation, went on to the next thing. And I find myself when I get wrapped up with people on the phone and they're going and going and going, you know, hey, Alan, you know, I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity to talk with you. But listen to me, I got to run. I'll circle back with you. But good talking to you. And it's a, it's a nice way of kind of like shutting it down. And, and it is kind of funny because like all my friends and people in my circles, they like, I got to be careful because when I, they all know my trick. So they're like, oh, yeah. So, so if you hear me say, Tom, I'll circle back with you. You know, I'm saying, shut the fuck up. I got to go. But, well, but you know, you, you have to mention it. <laughs> I got to circle back, but no, what, no, but listen to me. What I'm really saying is you have to find those little nuances that, because after a while it becomes, it's a drag and you got to stop the drag. 
And, you know, th that just so happens to be my little, my little thing that, that helps me protect me, meaning, you know, hey, listen, let me circle back with you. I got I to gotta take care of this thing right now. And cool. that's the way that I stop it. And you have to figure out what's going to work for you because you can't allow people to, to take your energy, number one. And number two, um, even if you are tired and zapped and all that, your, your, your priority is better be your family. You know, better yeah. be your kid, your, your significant other, or, you know, your child. You know, that's the way I feel. Well, speaking about that, I'll circle back to this question because uh, <laughs> I actually want to get this done so I can go spend time with my family, <laughs> which is my priority. I've had podcasts yesterday. I've got a podcast tomorrow night. I was editing a podcast Monday night. So I'm like, wow, this is like one of those weeks. So I'm going to head on to the next question from our dear friend, our beloved brother, Alan Joshua Laycock. Ah, Josh in the house. Yeah. When to worry about a child's mischievous or bad behavior and when do you just chalk it up to they're just kids? How old? Josh, probably talking about a five or six-year-old kindergarten, first grader, I think. A yeah, five or six-year-old or it could be a two-year-old. I don't know, but I think it's probably the, 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 the former. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to uh, look. Is the behavior destructive? To themselves, to others, to objects, to pets, um, you know, is, um, and is it repetitive? Uh, you know, if you've done the corrective actions uh, and it's not getting through, I think then you may have to worry, uh, you know, do you have a learning disability, an ADHD disability, um, you know, or, or just the wrong parenting style as well, the wrong discipline you know, mm. some kids yelling work, some kids time out work. So you you got to play around with those things to see what message you mm. get through before you can decide, you know, is there something wrong with the child? Mm. I, I think that was pretty damn Pearls of wisdom. That's really good, man. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can answer that. Yeah, no. I know. Yeah, All right, there you go. Tom, you wanted this over. I can get up. It's over. No, 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 I'm kidding, but no, I can, I can add to that a little bit because I think, Alan, you, well, you touched on it, actually. I'm just going to come back to what you said, where you said, um, you know, what, what we do as parents. And I think that that's the important part. I think if you are doing everything that you can as a parent and really taking charge, setting boundaries, um, setting systems in place that your children are in a place to, get, to go to bed at the right time, for instance, you know, if you don't set the tone at home and then your kids are messing around every night, that's kids being kids because kids are going to take they're going to take the path of least resistance. They're going to take the gap. But if you're doing all you can do, and I think, Alan, you didn't mention the word habits, but I think when it's you're doing what you can do, children are doing habits, are forming habits that are bad. Because I notice when my kids start forming habits, and then I've got to cut that, cut, nip that in the bud because I realize that it's forming a negative and bad behavior. And I think a bad behavior is something that is done more than once and repetitively, like you said. And I think when it becomes a habit, it's bad because our job as parents is not to make our lives easier. Our job as parents is to help our children to develop into these, these first these teenagers that can still relate to us and other people in a decent way. And then after teenage years to become productive and, and uh, self-confident adults that contribute to society. And so then when we look at it, we go, Hey, this behavior is harmful to my child. And you can start seeing the behavior starts making their, you know, making their school experience negative. They start having negative experiences with their friends as well, you start having a negative experience with them because it starts harming the relationship with you because it's just belligerent and totally defiant. Even though you're doing the right thing, I think then then you have to then you can label it and say, well, this is bad behavior. This is negative. It's harming my child's development. It's harming their relationships. 
And I think that you answered really well. I just wanted to add that little caveat. Well, if, if, <clears throat> if the question really is my kids misbehaving, right? It sounded, it didn't sound as dire as we're, you just made it sound, Tom. But I make it sound dire. Yeah, it did sound freaking dire. Well, no, because it but, does. But the thing is, that's why I'm saying because bad behavior is results in dire consequence, whereas mischievous, um, just uh, being a kid, it's just being a kid. It doesn't result in yeah. end up in dire. Well, so, what, what, yeah. What's interesting, though, is I, you know, from being around so many parents and kids and whatnot, I've seen more now than ever, you know, I'm seeing a certain behavior out of these kids and let it be some of these, you know, let's say you get a young boy and he's whining, he's, you know, it's just, you know, I could see the behavior, he's not listening or he's, it's just whining and this and that. And then I look at the parent. And then here's the parent like, oh, come here, Stevie. Let me tie your shoes. And oh, let me get your bag. And oh, wait a minute, you got a little something on your face. And what did you want again for lunch? And oh, let me take the crust off. So you're kissing this kid's ass. And so, you know, we're, we're raising these kids. It's like, hey, when I was younger, it's like, put your friggin' shoes on, tie them, and get, let's go. Get your ass out the yeah, door. Yeah. There wasn't any of this, oh, I don't want to go. Or, you know, yeah. oh, it's, it's easier today because we live in such a fast-paced world, so the parent does everything for the kid, which I, I am not an advocate of. I mean, I think that, you know, we as parents have a responsibility to raise them so they could leave us. And if we're going to do everything for them, right, and, and it's a free-for-all, you, these kids, you know, the behaviors are, are could be, you know, could, not, could be a tough environment to raise a kid. You know, yeah. we, a strong example, growing up working in my parents' toy store, we used to see two kinds of parents uh, with the same behavior. You know, at a toy store, a kid throws himself on the ground because he wants a toy. And the parents always say, no, you can't have that. Well, there's two types of parents. If the kid gets up right away and is okay and gets, composes himself and goes back to having a good time, we know there's a good parent there. But when the kid stays on the ground and keeps yelling, we would always say, watch, four or five times. And the kid is... The parent would say no. The kid would keep crying. The parent would say no again, keep crying. And after four or five times of saying no, parent says yes. Kid got what he wanted. Why did he stay on the ground crying? Because he's done it before. He's going to get away with it. Right. That's conditioned behavior. And that's why Anthony's turned it back on the parents. And I think that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The parents, so I know that he's generally doing the right but I think we can all be, we, we all, none of us are perfect as fathers and stuff. We can all just use a little bit of help and a little bit of thought as to how to do this. Because a lot of my, I mean, I've got, like, you know, I've got an ADHD daughter, but there's so much that I can do to modify her behavior. How I can give her a situation where she's calm, how I can set boundaries. And her and I are getting on, just to let you know, she's doing much better at school. Her and I are getting on really well. Her behavior is really good. And that's not saying, oh, well done, Tom, you're a legend, but I have really thought about it and I've really made it that the bedtime is a certain time. She goes and reads books. She, I have got a little diary with a teacher where we keep her accountable in the diary where she comes home and, and, and I can see that she's got these couple of goals at school that I, that we've made together with a teacher and the learning support person. And see, there's so many things you can do to help your child's behavior. And I can label it bad sometimes, or I can label it and go, well, you know, when she's really been behaving bad, it's really because of her mother and my divorce and us, our bad communication. And so many times 
it does end up being us as parents. And even in tiny little ways, we don't, we don't like Anthony says, we don't, we don't set those boundaries like, no, I'm not going to do this for you. You're going to do it for yourself. And then, or like you say, I'm not going to buy that for you. And my kids do not throw tantrums because I just, I just take them. You throw a tantrum, you can't have that tomorrow. You throw a tantrum more. My son did it the other day. He didn't throw a tantrum, but he wouldn't stop talking to me about this thing that I'd taken away from him. He ended up losing it for four weeks. He didn't just lose it for one week. He ended up losing it for four weeks. And I said to him, bro, have you not learned with me that if you moan and you scream at me, it gets worse for you? Because I want to teach him that in life. Yeah. I've probably gone off the topic a little bit, yeah, but in life, no, it's good. It gets worse yeah. for you. The more you moan, the more you complain, it gets worse for you. And that's what I want to teach my children. It doesn't get better because you're lying on the floor and crying. How, how the hell is it going to go for me at work if every time I'm just throwing a tantrum, <laughs> something goes wrong, I lose my job. You know what I mean? I don't just not want. I eventually lose a job. And I think that's what parents are teaching their kids. A tantrum and you're going to get what you want. Well, oh, I've got news for you. It's definitely not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's like the, the, the analogy we always give like to the kids. <clears throat> we, you know, I can tell a kid that, you know, gets up, right, watching TV, gets up to go get something to eat and boom, bashes their, their knee or their shin into the coffee table and immediately they're like, ow, oh my God, right? And so, you know, the whole thing is, you know, you either have the parent that runs over, oh my God, you okay? Oh, go get the, Bob, go get ice. We need ice in the boo-boo bunny and oh my God, let me, let me sit you down versus, hey, come on, shake it off, get up, let's go, you know? And so yeah. that's a divergence of parents. So then all of a sudden you're conditioning and raising a child where all of a sudden they're, you know, they're in my class and the, the smallest of things happen. And all of a sudden it's like the all hell broke loose because they're, they're used to being coddled versus pain is temporary. Re regret is forever. Get up. You're okay. It's not a real injury. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? Got to mm. stop the coddling, stop the coddling. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we I think we run it, and it's weird when I answer Joshua's questions. I always feel kind of strange because I know that Josh is a great dad, and then he thinks so much about being a father, and he puts so much attention in. And whenever he asks a question, I'm almost like, "Well, who am I to give Joshua advice on parenting?" I mean, I've been a teacher and have these things, but I think it's when you bring it all around. It's just take all these other aspects. I think to if he wants to distinguish, and the question he's asked to tell the difference. I think it's take those things into account. The things that Alan mentioned with habits and repetitive behavior. Take into account what you've done as a parent. And then take into account that it could be like in my child's case that there can be some condition that then gets diagnosed and, and, and perhaps is there. And then it's not bad behavior. Like I say to the teachers, you know, there has to be accommodations made for my daughter and not, right. she doesn't have to be disadvantaged now because she has a lack of focus and her frontal cortex is not as developed as it maybe should be or, or these kind of things. And then, and then, and then look at it and go, well, okay, is this a belligerent defiant behavior that's going to harm my child? And, harm the family vibe and family things. And, and if it is, then I think it's a negative behavior. But as I said, I'm just a dad who tries to do his best. I don't have all the answers. And I hope that helped a little bit in answering that question. I don't know if any of you want to add anything more to that. No, I think Alan, Alan, you did well with that one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough guys. I mean, this, this thing is fathering is so interesting because when we answer questions, yeah, it's, it's, a, you know, there's lots of shows that answer questions. And, and I feel with answering questions as a dad and with kids, because my kids are different to Alan's kids are different to your kids who are different to Joshua's kids are different to, you know, I'm different to you. And my wife is different to the next wife. It's such a, it's such a tough thing to answer these questions because it really is a unique thing to every single situation family. And I hope that what guys get for this is more of a forum, a forum of seeing another dad's perspectives. And luckily 
with the three of us, we have a wide kind of variety or kind of a wide perspective, I would say. But I think that at least it just gets guys thinking and find your own answers, guys. Listen to Alan, listen to Anthony. If you want to listen to me as well, do it. <laughs> and come up with your own answers and think for yourself and think, okay, where can I step up? Where am I falling short? How is my child different? How could I communicate with my wife better? And so it's kind of a thing of, it's on you. It's like you need to take extreme ownership of your situation, listen to what we have to say, and then, and then go away from this conversation and go, yeah, okay, and there's a couple I would, of I agree with all that, but I also have to say, um, it's also good to hear from other dads yeah. and other situations that, shit, they're having problems too, right? Like, it's not just me, right? Mm. It's not all on me. And, and like we spoke before, Tom, it's like, if you've got, if you've got some, you know, some baggage and crap from your, you know, from your parents growing up and you don't want the same, you know, for your children, yeah. you know, we talked about that. You got to break the change. You got to be the difference. You can listen to us all you want, but you've yeah. got to be, you have to have the intent to, to yeah. break the chain. You have to say no. You stop yourself like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, it's so hard. Well, dude. You're the one who wants to make a change. You want a better life for your son or daughter. You want a better relationship with your family. You've got to break the chain. Don't just go off of what you were taught as a child or, or the habits you created from how you were raised. Like you gotta, you gotta intent and what's the word you always use, Tom? Intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that, Anthony. And I think the point is that it's take ownership, and I think there are going to be things that we are going to say that are just hard and fast rules as dads. There are going to be those things sometimes. I mean, there are some things that we have learned as fathers that go for all of us, but you're right. And I think that that ownership and just saying like, you know, this is my role as a dad and to have the motivation to realize that my purpose and my meaning in life is to be a father. I chose it. I had these kids. When I had these kids, that's the choice I made. So there's, there's no excuse for that. And there's so much information on our parents, Ellen, your mom, my dad didn't have what we have. No dad today can say that there's not enough information out there. And if they do, then I, I, I just tell everybody in this podcast, if there's dads in your life, share this podcast and other shows with the other dads in life. Because I know it's changing lives. I got a message on, on Instagram. Another guy reshared, reshared the podcast with Brandon Lilly, and I was just blown away at what difference it made. Because I'm just going, sometimes I go, well, I really honestly be with you guys. I'm so tired sometimes of just doing all these shows. And I think, oh, is it really worth it? And then I see this, and I'm just like, I see one guy or three guys saying this and I'm like, wow, what a difference that can make. And the more we can spread this, the more guys' lives can change and the more dads' lives we change. That's how you make change in the world is changing fathers. You know, I, I really think, I really believe it. I really believe that if more fathers step up and are involved like we are and like Joshua and other dads that are part of the syndicate arena, I think it makes a huge difference. But anyways, um, I'm going to end it off there, but I'm, I'm going to end it off saying, please go check out the podcast that I did with Brandon Lilly. Yeah. And, I think it can make a big difference. And I think if we can share this, guys, as I've said before, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, just share this podcast. Let's get the podcast out to as many dads as possible. But anyway, dudes, as usual, appreciate you guys being a part of this and that we get to meet like this. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for all your input into everybody else's life and into my life when we talk. So, yeah, bro. Have a good night, Tom. Yeah, have a good night. Alan, peace out, pal. Bye, guys. Ladies, guys. <laughs>